Hello everyone, so I plan on posting sermons, lessons, and maybe discussions or other teaching material that I might decide to teach on here, um, specifically on um, these podcasts, um, every once in a while, and so this is one of them, and this is the first one that I plan to post, and it's about um, teamwork and marriage, so I hope that it is beneficial to you and i pray that god speaks to you through it thank you go ahead and uh, get started um the first part is is that the most intimate relationship partnership or team that god created you to to have to be a part of with a human being is the one you have with your spouse that's the one that he created you to be a part of the most intimate relationship the most intimate team um, to begin this lesson, I want to tell you about <clears throat> the um, story of Felicia and I. I've told it quite a few times, and I'm, I think Felicia might be tired of hearing the story. Um, what? I'm a little worried now. You didn't tell me I'm in this. Oh, I, I, yeah, I didn't tell you that you were in it. Um, so, uh, there's a story about Felicia and I, those who haven't heard. Um, so, one time, um, I came over, I think it was on a Saturday, um, I don't know if she messaged me beforehand. She may have, but she, she uh, was really short with me. It was the, yeah, it was the night before. She's really short with me, and I'm like, "What in the world's going on? Why is she short with me?" And uh, so I asked what was going on, and and she said, "I'm I'm just frustrated because I'm trying to get this uh, toilet seat off of this toilet. This toilet seat is as old as this mobile home, and uh, when my parents first bought it, and and I can't get this thing off. And I've tried everything." And uh, so I said, okay, well, you know, um, maybe we can get this done tomorrow when I come over. Um, you know, just you try to settle down and maybe we can um, accomplish this. And so I came over and I seen how old this toilet really was, or toilet seat really was. And um, it was uh, corroded on just because of how old the, the bolts were. Um, the, the plastic um, nuts, you know, there was no turning them. They only like the the grips only broke off we tried to use pliers uh um did we try a wrench i know i did yeah we tried a wrench uh she did and uh we just couldn't get it off so i i was like well i don't know what to do felicia so first option i i used was i i uh, looked on youtube of how to get off an old toilet seat and they said to use a drill and so we tried the drill and it wasn't getting very far and um, it was getting as far as my patients would allow to use it so that uh, we didn't use it for that long and uh, and so I was like you know I'll just call my dad if anybody can do it I, I can almost bet my dad can and uh, so he said he said on the phone hey you know um, let me look at it so we FaceTimed because he lives about an hour away and uh, and not only that, they were another 30 minutes away at a store. And, uh, but he could have jumped through that camera wanting to help, you know, his heart was there. And so, uh, so he told us to take a flathead and go under the plastic nut and, uh, just pry it and just break it off. And, uh, so I got the one side and while I'm doing this one side, um, Titus is coming up to me and saying, Hey, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? He's asking questions and, and I'm getting frustrated with the toilet. And I don't want to get frustrated with him because he just wants to know. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we got him to, to settle down and, uh, and then I got the first bolt off, but I couldn't reach the other one. I was too big. And, and so I had Felicia do it and we got that one off. Um, but it still wouldn't come up because of the, um, cause it was corroded, but we got the first bolt out and the second bolt wouldn't come up, even though she got the, the nut mostly off. And, uh, so we we uh, hit the bolt a little bit on the bottom, and uh, um, the bolt didn't come up, but the 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 hinge um, split perfectly in half. So you know, split in half where the bolt was, and the bolt came right out. And uh, so that the last one wasn't as challenging. And so the lesson with all of that um, is that we work together as a team to accomplish that. Um, you know, um, with Felicia here, I hope this is okay to share. She, she, uh, 
you know, I think in some ways she felt like a failure because she couldn't do that herself. She wanted to accomplish it. And, uh, and I know when she puts something together or takes something apart, she likes to do it herself. And, uh, that's why I put my desk together with, um, without her help. And, uh, so, um, so we got it all done and I reassured her. I said, you know, um, you know, what we can't do alone, we can, we can most likely accomplish together because we're meant to be a team together. And uh, that's our greatest purpose is working together to accomplish things in marriage. And so that's uh, my opening story for um, how we're meant to be a team. Um, so when we think of teams or teammates, <clears throat> or even being a part of a team, one of the prime examples we can think of is sports teams. Um, I'm not a sports fan. Um, the the if there was any sport I could choose from, it would probably be uh, baseball, and then right under that, um, uh, and bowling. So those are probably the two sports that I'd be interested in. Um, football isn't my language; it might be some of yours. Um, so I went online and I looked up lists of uh, different types of teammates, um, different um, uh, types of teammates, maybe in their personality or the type of teammate they are, and. Uh, um, one can find on a team uh, uh, based on their personality of who they can find based on their personality or who they tend to be when they are a part of a team. Um, so here's a list I found online of different players on the team. Uh, most teams have and see if um, that most teams have and see if um, you are that type of team player in your marriage. Um, so I've, I've kind of uh, tried to tweak it to make it relatable in marriage. And uh, it wasn't really that challenging. Um, the challenging part was um, making points um, with what little experience I have. Um, so I'm hoping to lean heavily on scripture and to speak to your marriage um, in um, being a part of a team. So the first one is the empty-minded. Um, so here's the explanation for the empty-minded in it as a team member. Um, they're a great athlete. But apart from their athleticism, there's not much going on in their head. This person is always spacing off during practice and always making the team laugh with their ridiculous comments. They may not be the brightest players. You may be a little concerned with their IQ, but you can help, but you can't help but to love them and their naiveness. Now, uh, this seems to describe what the entertainment industry, TV shows and movies, um, enjoys the most to identify as the father figure, the empty-minded one. Um, the one that's, uh, you know, it's also one of the top jokes used to describe men. And uh, one way most of you have heard um, as their nothing box, when they're in their no nothing box. And uh, I remember that talk that... Uh, um, the Fairchilds allowed us to listen to um, a couple years ago, and I was blessed by that. It really benefited with that. Um, we see shows like, um, I don't know if you've seen these shows, but shows I grew up um, watching was uh, Home Improvement, um, Family Matters, Step by Step, and, and even um, today's shows like Last Man Standing. I've grown up with, these, with uh, this picture of what a man is on, on TV. So this is obviously the type of team member a husband can be, perhaps, uh, more than the wife. And the, the one overemphasized for the sake of comedy and shows. Uh, so I'm not going to spend much time on this one, but I'll say that if, if us as men tend to be this kind of teammate in marriage, um, we need to grow up in, in wisdom. It's time to grow up and then not remain in that. The entertainment industry doesn't define what kind of husband we can be and what we're called to be and what most men who follow God are. Um, the inter um, uh, what, how God defines it. So here's a, a lesson for us as, as men to remember as we lead our homes and, and found in Proverbs uh, chapter 13, verse 20. For, if you're taking notes, um, Proverbs 13, 20. Um, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fool, fools shall be destroyed. Moving from empty-mindedness uh, requires you to be filled with what's wise. The best way to do that is to uh, seek wise Christian counsel, mentors, 
and friends to help you grow up. Um, one example I have of that, of uh, um, someone who um, may have been empty-minded in the moment, um, a man um, was at work yesterday. He said, How's, he asked me how the um, wedding plans were doing. And I said, good, you know, and, and with this, um, with this coronavirus, I don't know how things will change in our plans. And, and I said, but you know, I, I tried to remind Felicia and remind myself, um, as worried as I can be about it, um, that we're in God's time, that this is God's timing. And he said, well, you know, ultimately you're going to have to make that decision. And, and I said, yeah, um, but God instituted marriage and he has a pattern for us to follow. And, uh, we need to seek his wisdom and his guidance. And, uh, and so that's part of being, um, no longer being empty minded, following God's wisdom and his discernment that he gives us through his word. And, uh, part of that, um, is following Christian counsel, wise men, having wise mentors and friends to help you grow up. So men, if, if you don't have that, um, find men, godly men that you can follow, have a good relationship with and, and, uh, and not, um, fill in that same category that the media tends to make men, um, help yourself fall in the category of how God wants you to be a man of God in your marriage. So here's the second one. Uh, second one is the one who is always eating. Um, it's, it's kind of a fun one. Um, I really wasn't sure how to approach this. So it, it took some time, uh, before practice, after practice, before games, after games, on the bus, everywhere, you are this person, um, everywhere you are this person is always eating. This person's always eating. You always see them eating. Despite how much they eat, this person is always the skinniest, the fittest on the team, somehow. Even when they eat an entire bag of hot Cheetos, right before the mile test, they still beat your time by a solid 30 seconds. It's just unnatural. It's, it's unfair. This is one of those that I could identify with if, if I didn't watch my diet. Um, I cheat on Fridays. I try to avoid carbs like the coronavirus throughout the rest of the week. Um, and Felicia, on the other hand, lives on carbs. And she's still skinny. And, and I, I don't know. She just has good genes on that because I, I can't do that. Um, thankfully, I can live on protein. I, I crave protein and love protein. So I'm, I'm thankful that I have that. Um, in the context of marriage. I can remember growing up and my dad always eating, but never gaining weight. Um, he's still that way. He might gain a little bit of weight, but as soon as he goes to most some yards, he, he loses the weight. It's, it's, uh, I try not to be jealous of, I wish I had more of his genes. Um, this situation of having one that battles weight and the other spouse always losing weight is relatable to perhaps some of you, maybe one of you. Um, maybe, you know, your wife, uh, um, loses weight more than you do, or maybe your husband loses weight more than you do faster and, and, and easier. Um, men, this is one of those where, um, I'm not married yet, but I know well enough, um, that it's an art that most of us will never master and how we promote physical health in our marriage and also not to offend our wife about their weight about um, their exercise. I have little experience in this, but um, here's what a team member involves when holding one another accountable in your physical health. Supporting, support their goals and don't make your physical goals theirs. Don't put the weight that you have on, of your goals on them. You know, um, it's, you're welcome to bring them alongside, but don't expect them to meet what you're trying to expect for yourself. Um, and, and love your spouse the way they are. Um, if I think when you first meet your spouse, maybe you're both skinny and then 10 years down the road, you're not so skinny and that scale just keeps climbing. And, uh, that's either a turning point for your decision or, um, but regardless, you have to love your spouse the way they are. I've heard of, of some marriages, um, involve verbal abuse by criticizing the weight of their spouse. And this doesn't develop healthy change. It only develops conditional love. And, and that's what I was talking about earlier of a conditional love of, um, I love you most when you're skinny, but I don't love you that much when 
you, you might have a little extra. So husbands and even wives watching, encourage, um, wives watching, encourage your spouse in their physical goals. Walk alongside your spouse and their goals and remember to not judge them. Um, the, the greatest role to remember from Jesus, uh, Jesus reminds us to not look at the speck in another's eye, to not look at the speck in our wife's eye um, before we get the speck out of our eye. So how well you support your spouse in being healthy will be determined by how humble and how much effort you put into your own health. Um, here are some words of wisdom from Proverbs 17, chapter, or yeah, chapter 17, verses 17 through 20, on how we should approach one another. It may serve as a guide in how you approach um, physical health in your marriage. So here it is. A friend loveth at all times. I'll say that again. A friend loveth at all times. Not when they're skinny or not when they're just the way that you want them to be. At all times. And a brother is born for adversity. A man void of understanding striketh hands and becometh surety in the presence of his friend. He loveth transgression that loveth strife. And he that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. He that hath a, for, a froward heart findeth no good. And he that hath a perverse tongue falleth into mischief. Into mischief. Number three of a type of personality we might find on a team is the one that's most gifted. Um, this is a player who may appear to be naturally gifted and easily one of the best players on the team. You could have done two extra workouts on your own this weekend while they sat on the couch the whole time, but they'll still run circles around you in practice. Even when they're not putting in their full effort, they still are able to make the sport look easy. Let's just say that, that this is the person you're always happy is on, it's on your team and not on an opposing team. Just like in sports, we can become envious of our spouse. No matter how hard you try to be the best at something, they seem to be more successful. Maybe there's something that they're more successful at than you are that you try to be successful in. If we're not careful, resentment can grow and create a barrier between the two of you. Many of these teaching points may be lessons most of you have learned. Um, although, how well do you apply them? If you've learned them well, do you apply them well? Do you support your spouse and their success even when you feel like a failure? More importantly, do you include your spouse in the success you achieve? From my childhood, I've always felt like a failure. And only after my first year in college, I began to see where God gave me success. And only a few years ago, I began to more intentionally appreciate those that God has placed in my life to help me achieve all of my goals thus far. And success is, is never found alone. It takes others. Success in your marriage can thrive based on the one who may seem more su successful. Both fail when one of us forgets the other and gets caught up in our own success. You're going to find failure in forgetting the other and just trying to um, hold on to your goal. You have to bring the other along. Our goals for even ourselves should always have an open spot to bring our spouse along with us. Zechariah chapter 18, verses 16 through 17 says, These are the things that, that ye shall do. Speak, every, speak ye every man the truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. And let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor, and love no false oath. For all these things that I hate, saith the Lord. So it's about showing truth to your neighbor, um, holding one another accountable through truth and peace. 
um, through loving to one another and not loving a false idol or um, having a false oath or um, having your heart against someone to imagine evil against them. Um, you know, I think this, this relates to jealousy of how somebody can, how our spouse may do something better than we do. And uh, we're called to bring one another together. So number four, the one with the contagious laugh. You're not kidding when you say they are always laughing. Not only are they always cracking up, but the, the sound of their laugh is always making the whole team crack up too. Coincidentally, this person also usually has a huge sense of humor. So they find anything and everything funny. Nothing with the team is ever boring when this person is around. So I was thinking about this one and how this relates to marriage um, and to our relationship with our spouse. And I thought of when I went to breakfast with my um, cousin Isaac and, and Felicia, and uh, we went together to breakfast. And and uh, and so my cousin and I always always battle with what he believes about God and uh, what his beliefs are. And, and he's a typical guy. And uh, when we hang out, we love to joke around. We joke around about everything. And he doesn't draw a line on what he jokes about. Um, but I try to draw lines, especially about God and his word. I don't believe either of those are any joking matter. Um, so I decided to finally invite him to breakfast with Felicia and I. And we sat down, got our breakfast, and throughout our whole discussion, Isaac and I joked around. And some of those jokes were inside jokes, ones that Felicia wouldn't understand and, and uh, would go over her head and, and the joke. And so she didn't get them. And, uh, and sometimes the jokes went too far. And, and here's the connection of the team member that makes everyone laugh and our uh, breakfast with my cousin. Everyone was laughing, but it got to a point where Felicia wasn't laughing. Everyone can laugh. But if your spouse isn't laughing with you, it sticks to you. I don't know if it sticks to you, um, but it does stick to me. It stuck to me when, when she didn't laugh and that, it that she told me it bothered her. If anyone matters in the emotions that communicate to you, it must be your spouse. If there's any emotions, a set of emotions from somebody um, that matters to you, it needs to be your spouse, most of all. They are the one that you leave with um, from where you go, and they are the one you will be with in life. And um, it doesn't regard, it isn't, regarding of, oh boy, I'm really going to hear it, you know, when we get in the car. I'm really in the doghouse when I get home. Um, it's, it's, it's about that they matter, that, that you're going to spend that life with them. Knowing where to draw the line and, and make them a part of your discussion together takes a lifetime to learn, and uh, I'll always be learning that. Um, the love of, of laughter should never um, stop us from the love of, we have for our spouse. Or the love of anything should stop us from our spouse and, and how we grow in, in, together with God. And uh, with this, um, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 4 says, Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. So, so, so it's the difference that we're called to live as Christians and as a Christian uh, marriages. So number five. The one who always gets the team in trouble. Whenever the team is getting punished with conditioning, everyone immediately knows whose fault it is. Whether they are talking while coach, while the coach was, or messing up a drill, or showing up a, a few minutes late, this person always finds a way to get the team in trouble. As much as you want to hate this person, you can't because... For one, I want to add this, that God calls us to love and not to hate. Um, but because they're one of your best friends. So you've learned to laugh, to laugh it off every time. And now it's a, it's a team-wide joke. And here's just a short, short uh, point to this with marriage. In marriage, um, each spouse has areas where they will mess up more than others. We all make mistakes. Um, for example, where I struggle... To save financially, Felicia excels. 
She, she's great with finances and it'll be a lesson of learning from her. And I feel like the mess up in, in that sometimes, I feel like I mess up more than she does. And, and uh, so it's a lesson that I'll learn from her. That's part of growing up that we have to humble ourselves and be willing to learn where we mess up. Number six, the one who flatters up to the influencers, to the pastors, to the leaders in, in your life to try to look, make yourself look good. You constantly find yourself yourself wanting to uh, remind this player that buttering up to the influencers and leaders or coach uh, won't increase their self-image, if they even need it, that is. Whether intentional or not, this person is, is always around the influencers and trying to get his, they're always trying to get the influencers attention. Um, this person definitely gets on your nerves every once in a while, but they're your teammate. So you have to just overlook their buttering up. We all want to impress people. And the first impression means everything to a person. We always want to make that first impression to someone because, um, a lot of times people don't want to give a second chance as Christians we're called to forgive and, and, and give chances out of love. But a lot of times that the first impression means everything to everyone. And so, uh, here's some points with this. The first impression that I gave to Felicia, um, obviously wasn't creepy because she considered, uh, she, she actually planned where our first date would be so that we could meet in the middle somehow. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, sort of. And, uh, and so she wanted to meet a Bob Evans in Hillsboro. And, um, afterwards we still wanted to talk and, and there was nowhere to go in Hillsboro. That's a country town and there's not very many places. So I looked up a park, we got to this park and it was, it looked abandoned because it was neglected and, um, it's care. And, uh, and it's landscaping and it was this, uh, different, um, uh, baseball fields. And, uh, so we just went for a walk in this tall grass. She was uh, dressed beautif beautifully and, uh, and yeah, what was it? Three and a half inch heels. Three and a half inch heels. Okay. I almost said half inch heels. So that's yeah. not as, uh, as uh, adventurous, but, uh, three and a half inch heels in, uh, in the grass and this tall grass no one around and uh um but she trusted me in that um so with that here's a question um how we make our first impressions how do you work to continue to impress yourself to your wife um, and impress others of your wife and marriage how do you make the first impression that you give others um influence how they see your wife as well um, how do you impress others of, of your marriage and not just, not just trying to, to put on a masquerade of how you look or, or how your marriage looks, but, um, but encouraging and, and uplifting. How do you make that first impression for you and your spouse? Um, one challenge to this is to not focus on how much you seek approval of, of how others view, view you or how others might view your spouse. Um, you know, I, I think the, the best lesson that I, that I'm beginning to learn that I'm beginning to learn is, uh, um, seeing the best in my spouse and always seeing that, the, that, that in her, whether it's in front of others or if we're going out on a date of just her and I. So number seven, the one that's overly competitive, it's all fun and games until this person is on your team for, for a drill. They treat every practice like a game and will do whatever it takes to win. This person doesn't mind running through the best player during a drill or sacrificing their body to win a simple game of World Cup. Even outside of the practice, they're always competing, um, whether it's unnecessary eating challenges or uh, double dares. They definitely make every day with the team interesting. One of the things that I learned about Felicia when we first went out and played a game together um, was that she was very competitive. And one time we went to a mini golf course um, in Eastgate on the, um, in the uh, mall. <clears throat> huh? Yeah, you have to share this one. <laughs> uh, we, 
I'm being warned about sharing this, but I want to share it. Um, as we were playing, uh, Titus was playing the game just his own special way. You know, the rules didn't apply to him. He just wanted to get the ball in the hole, and, and he did it his own way. Um, but for this game, being the being the first time, I had every uh, I had ever went golfing, mini golfing. I was doing a decent job, and Felicia was frustrated because she wasn't doing as well as. as she was expecting to do and it truly upset her and i tried to comfort her and remind her that it was just a game and uh and that she still mattered to me whether she won first place or whether she she lost and to her it mattered if she won uh, but to me you know it didn't matter who won in the end she was a winner to me Competi competition as, as couples can be good and it can also be bad in how we compete with one another. It's great to be competitive in games, but never at the cost of your spouse. Earning the bragging rights of being right about something, you know, not just with a game, but, but earning the bragging rights of, of being right about something, getting your own way, um, or even something as simple as being the winner of a game against your spouse. None of that, none of the, the glory of winning is worth the cost of your spouse. Um, you know, I can be a poor winner. When, when Titus and I play a game, I can be a poor winner. And, uh, and, and he can be a poor winner. And, and, uh, but as an adult, I have to grow up and not be a poor winner. Um, but being a winner or being a loser in a game, the competing against one another competitions um, should never come at a cost of our spouse and, and our relationship with them. If you're someone who is competitive and takes every opportunity for winning seriously, you also have to bring your team with you. It takes a team or, you know, the old saying, there's no I in team or, or as a, um, a pastor um, said before, um, uh, teamwork makes the dream work. And uh, you, you can't have a good pitcher and not have a, um, um, a good catch, catcher. It takes everyone in the team to find success. And it takes you and your spouse to be a team that finds success. The goal to win, to be successful, to have purpose in life should never become more important than making your spouse a part of what you define as a win or a level of success. And uh, so what I think a level of success or a win is for your marriage, um, a goal to make together is to make your marriage a Christ-centered marriage. That's the greatest goal. That's the greatest finish line, the greatest win that you can make in your relationship with your spouse. So two more, if you're wondering how long this is, uh, two more. So here's the first one. Uh, number eight. The one that's always hurt. They pulled their groin one day, um, and the first day back to practice, they twisted their ankle. This person is either one, extremely fragile, or very unlucky. They always find a way to get hurt. And it seems like they're injured and on the bench for at least half of every season. And you can't help but to pity this person because you know how bad they want to be playing again but you can always count on them to be the loudest one cheering during a game. This is, I think this is the type of person I've always seen in baseball movies. Um, I like baseball movies. Um, I like um, the, um, what is it? The, um, the Titans, I can't remember the, the full title of that. Um, it's a football game with Denzel Washington. I, I think it's a great movie. Radio is a great football movie. But I enjoy baseball movies the most. Um, but sports movies and shows with sports um, usually show the the guy or, or, or sometimes the girl, but it's usually a, a guy team, um, shows the nerdy, clumsy kid um, as the bench warmer or the equipment manager. And he's always cheering for them and, and they're always stepping on him. And even so, no matter how awful, the cycle continues um, of, of how he's treated in the film. The character always cheers them on. 
the goal is greater than, than how he's treated. I mean, what a great example to, to look at. Um, the longer a person knows someone and the longer a marriage lasts, the greater the potential is to treat our spouse like the nerdy, clumsy kid. Um, your wife or your husband does might do a lot. They may always be supportive. Although, because they're always supportive, you might unintentionally take advantage of their support. Um, you can expect the support and neglect your greatest support, the one who's supporting you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 11 says, Two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? In the context of marriage in this verse, we can see the value of having another beside us, another one to pick us up. Both you and your spouse are called to be that other person who picks up the other when that when the other falls down. So no matter who may best fit as this type of teammate in your marriage, your role is very valuable in how you support the other and how you are best capable to do so. You know, um, I don't mean to make this a bad light of that you might be the clumsy, nerdy person of the team. Um, but I want to change it to the value of being the most supportive one of the team. And I have no desire to, uh, you know, one of the things of, with Felicia and I is that um, I have no desire to lay flooring in a house, um, to pull weeds in the garden. If there's flowers in the garden with the weeds, I just want to pull it all up because um, they all look the same to me. Um, or to do certain things to dogs that Felicia is great at. She's totally talented at it than I would be. Even in the years that I was in uh, grooming for 4-H, she's great at it. Um, she has a great art for it, and but but I can be her greatest support, even if I'm not good at those things, um, of what she can do that I can't. So support one another in the strengths that you that you and your your spouse have, that you might share, that you might have separate, that each of you might have, that you might that the other may not. <clears throat> Never take advantage of that support, the support that your spouse gives you. So here's some questions. Do you tend to take advantage of your spouse's support? And and that's a personal question for you. You can talk with it among you know, you and your spouse. Um, but the question to that is why? Why do you take advantage of your spouse's support? Is it so um, often and so um, frequent that it becomes numb to where she, he or she just supports me and, and uh, you know, giving thanks is no longer needed. But it is to show that um, gratitude. Here's the second question. Do you tend to not show your spouse support? Why do you not show them support? In their greatest need, when they need that support, when no one else is, is behind them as, as their team, why do you tend to not show them support? Is it because they don't? That's something to ask of yourself. So the last one, the last type of team member, and I think this is the greatest type of team member that... Um, that anyone could relate to in, in whatever team they're a part of and uh, um, and as a team in marriage. This player is by far the best type of teammate. They're always nice to everyone, and if there's a conflict between players, this player all, will always jump in to be the, the mediator and figure things out. They are always telling you good job and making you feel good about your ab abilities, even when you have a bad practice or game. You know that this person will always have your back and they always remind you that a great bless, what a great blessing it is to be a part of this team. 
I think that we are all the sweetheart the most when we first meet and begin dating. That's when we're the biggest sweetheart in our uh, relationships and marriage with our uh, spouse or future spouse in my case. But that's when we're the most sweet. The best team member to be in the relationship you have with your spouse is the sweetheart. It should never stop once you're married. Men, that doesn't mean we become sissies or pushovers by being the, the sweetheart, the, the, um, the kind person, you know, the soft one. Women, that doesn't mean that you become doormats or even lose independence. I use both fear, uh, both, um, but how did I put this? Um, I think this goes for both the, both genders, both the husband, both the wife, um, in broad terms, I have this in broad terms because it could just as easily be pride to, um, to be wrong of why you're not the sweetheart, not because you're a sissy or not because you might be a doormat, but, uh, fears that we can both have fears, um, because it could just as easily be pride to be wrong, bitterness, not willing to let go of something. Um, or the fear of apologizing and, and that the other won't, you know, they're, they're not going to apologize. So I'm not going to be the first one to give in, to be the sweetheart, regardless of what your fear is to be the sweetheart, consider this, the sweetheart in scripture is no other than Jesus. He's the greatest team member, the greatest one to stand in between, to be the mediator for us, between us and God. When we have, when we have that conflict between, between God and our sinfulness and his holiness, to be that one that comes between, to be that mediator. He's the greatest team member we have as, as an example. And he's so kind and desires to be the mediator in our life and knowing his father, he, he provides us the Holy Spirit as our coach for the Holy Spirit to coach us along in life. You alone as a follower of Christ are on the best team. You have the best team and you're on the winning side. Um, one verse that comes to mind is, uh, I didn't have this in here, um, first or second Timothy about fighting the good fight, the call to fight the good fight, the, the call that Paul tells Timothy. Fight the good fight, persevere, you know, don't allow your fears, your anxieties come against you. I know those letters are, are filled with that. And, and, uh, and first and second Timothy is, is such a blessing to me. I love reading those letters. So why do we fail so bad at being the sweetheart in our relationships? Perhaps in your marriage, maybe you fail at being the sweetheart. When I went through the list of the different types of teammates, um, here's some questions to ask of the, the different types of teammates I went through. Um, who were you comparing them to? How many sounded like you in your marriage? And so here's this one too. How fast were you to consider your spouse the sweetheart? Or how fast were you to consider your spouse to be like Jesus? How fast are you to consider being Jesus to your spouse? How fast are you? Did you consider to point your finger at your spouse of, um, of what they were? Oh, that really sounds like my spouse. And how slow were you to say, Hey, that's an area that I really need to work in myself. The greatest teammate in a marriage listens to their coach who is the Holy spirit. You know, through listening to the Holy Spirit, his guidance, um, through scripture, through him speaking through the scripture, through God's word, looking to Jesus as your example and mentor and what, what a teammate is and submitting to the word of God and how a man should treat his wife and how a wife should treat her husband. So with that, I want to read Ephesians chapter five, verses 24 through 33. So here it is. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that hath loveth his wife loveth himself. For no one ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord of the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that he, she reverence her husband. The relationship between the church and Jesus doesn't um, succeed based on their performance alone. Um, what a great testimony of what we're going through right now as a church, um, as a whole, that we're not meeting in churches in America and uh, across other, you know, across the globe and other nations that are going through this. They're not meeting as they used to as a church. And uh, so it's not through our performance alone. Um, it's based on Christ's performance alone. That's how we follow him, even when we're not meeting um, at a church building. But if you want to build a strong, stronger marriage as a team, as one, consider this. Are you giving your best performance to Christ and how you love your lifetime team member? Your co-laborer and living out and sharing the gospel. You can't control how your spouse lives out their call as your teammate, but you can control how well you live out your call as your their teammate. So that's the lesson. Um, I, I just wanted to read a short paragraph from the book that I'll, uh, I'll look through your names and I'll uh, uh, pick at random um, of who gets the book. And, and uh, if I can't message you, I'll um, announce it on the, the Facebook um, group page as well. So here's what he says on the chapter of uh, partnership. And in the beginning of this chapter, he talks about um, how marriage is, is like a business in the sense that we have we are partners together and what God calls us to do. Um, so here's a paragraph. Marriage has a multiplying effect. We can do more together than we can do alone. While marriage might hinder aspects of what we could do individually, because of demands on time and, and changes of affections, it greatly multitudes what we can do together. Imagine what you can do together in your relationship with Christ and how you love others in the church and, and even be a blessing to your church during this time when we're not meeting together, that we're doing this instead of uh, seeing one another in person and, and able to shake hands and and, uh, and, and hug with the love of Christ as brothers and sisters and as his church. So I, I hope this has encouraged all of you in some way. I hope God spoke to you most of all um, through this. Um, thank you for those who have been here um, and may listen later on of those who weren't here um, and bearing through this with my raspy voice um, with an even more deeper froggy voice than what I normally have. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pray, and uh, we'll end it. Um, again, just thank you guys for listening. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, um, thank you for showing us your model of what it means of working together. Lord, you show that through the Old Testament of uh, people like Moses, of seeking counsel from others, not doing it on his own. The faithfulness of Abraham and Sarah. Um, through every child trial that they went through to have a child and to perhaps to lose a child and, and keeping faith in you together. Lord, um, thank you for the examples of Jesus and his disciples, calling them to work as a team, um, whether he was with them in person or not, and that he would always, that he promised that the Holy Spirit would be with them to guide them. So Lord, in our marriages, um, 
Lord, help us as men to be, um, to be husbands, to be like Christ, to love and, and to pour out our sacrifice, just as you showed us through, through your sacrifice, Jesus. And Lord, please help wives that are all listening, be like the church who uh, uh, follow Christ ultimately and, uh, and work as a team and, uh, um, and marriage. And Lord, um, Lord, I ask this as a personal challenge for me and, and for all the husbands listening. Lord, um, please help our performance not be determined by the performance of our wives and how they try to be, how they try to work with us. Lord, help us be like Jesus and show love regardless and uh, base our um, performance on, on your word of what we're called to be as men and husbands. Um, so Lord, I, I ask that you, uh, help us throughout this day. Thank you for the weather that you've given us and thank you for this week you've given us. Lord, please help it, uh, not be too soon of a wait, um, to see one another again, um, in person. And Lord, I ask that you be with everyone that's, uh, listen. I thank you for the opportunity to speak to them. Um, Lord, please be with them. Whatever struggle they're going through, please help them work together as a team in marriage. I ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I, I forgot to give this uh, challenge, um, but as you, as you um, leave from this uh, talk, um, here's my one last challenge to give you. Uh, find a... Um, oh, well, thank you, Pastor and, and Bender and Sister Audrey, for your kind words. Um, you're welcome. Um, please, uh, you know, try to find a game that the both of you can play together and just enjoy that company together and, uh, matter in the end that it, it's, it's how both of you win in Christ, uh, not who wins the board game or whatever you decide to play. So, uh, thank you everyone for watching and, and uh, and I hope that your week's blessed and that, um, that, um, what we're facing, um, doesn't become bigger than the God that we all follow and we seek to uh, find wisdom and truth in. So, see you guys later.